This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So today we continue what looks like will be this week's theme if things keep going the way they are. Prelates speaking out in defense of the faith. I have for you the full text of an address given by Cardinal Muller in the United States to a group of young Catholics that LifeSite News describes in the following way. Quote, Cardinal Muller delivered to thousands of Catholics gathered in Phoenix for the 2020 Student Leadership Summit. Over the course of the four-day gathering in Phoenix, now in progress, 9,000 Catholic young people, mostly college students, are expected to attend workshops and keynote speeches about the missionary discipleship. End quote. The Cardinal doesn't mince words, starting out with a reminder of what the Catholic faith is, before denouncing those who try to secularize or sanitize it for the sake of worldly love. I have the full text for you which follows, and if you wish to read it for yourself, you can find it on the Sources blog, which is linked in the description. So here is the text of the address given by Cardinal Muller on January 1st of this year on the Solemnity of the Mother of God. Dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as we celebrate the first day of 2020, we wish one another a happy new year. Because God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, see Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, as Christians we look at this wish within the deeper context of being God's beloved sons and daughters. As Catholics, we connect our goodwill towards all with the marvelous experience that, in the light of God, all things, past, present, and future, have a purpose. When the sacrifice of Christ for the salvation of the world becomes present in the Holy Mass, we give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. We thank God for having created the world and for giving us all we need. We thank him that for our sake Christ became man and for sending us his Holy Spirit. We thank him for the Holy Church who has become our mother in faith. She is the body of Christ in which we have been incorporated through baptism and confession of the Catholic faith. We thank him for our families in which we were allowed to grow up and for our friends who are faithful companions through life. Making such friends is one of the blessings of being part of Focus. And if God has called us to marriage, we thank him for our husband or wife and for the children we love because they are God's gift to their parents. As Christians, we have a musical awareness of life. In our hearts resounds the song of thanksgiving of the redeemed. Its melody is love and its harmony is joy in God. We do not believe in the superficial optimism of fate, which we hope will remain kind to us. No one will be spared the suffering of this world, and everyone has to bear his or her cross. Instead, in work and leisure, in happiness and pain, in life and death, a Christian puts all his hope in Christ alone, for we know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. See Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Like water bursting from a source, becoming a living stream that can make the desert blossom, even here in Arizona, so our joy in God is the seed on the field of our life that brings fruit, a hundredfold. Adoration of God in the Spirit of Christ is this, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God your spiritual worship. See Romans chapter 12 verse 1. 
Following Christ's example, who gave his life on the altar of the cross, our life is a sacrifice to God. But the same Christ, through his resurrection, has also opened the door to eternal life for us. This is our faith. Today, however, many Christians are anxious and concerned. Looking at the state of traditionally Christian societies in the West, and at the scandals in the church, does Christianity still fit into our time? Does the faith have a future? The crisis in the church is man-made and has arisen because we have cozily adapted ourselves to the spirit of a life without God. This is why in our hearts so many things still are unredeemed, and consequently, long for substitute gratification. Consumerism really is a virus that attacks the life of the faith, as Pope Francis recently said, and there are other such viruses. But the one who believes needs no ideology. The one who hopes will not reach for drugs. The one who loves is not after the lust of this world, which will pass away along with the world. The one who loves God and neighbor finds happiness in the sacrifice of self-giving. We will be happy and free when in the spirit of love we embrace the form of life to which God has called each one of us personally, in the sacrament of marriage, in celibate priesthood, or in religious life, according to the three evangelical counsels of poverty, obedience, and chastity, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. I would like to evoke a Christmas homily which Pope St. Leo the Great preached over 1,500 years ago. In the midst of migration of peoples and disillusion of order, as the Roman Empire was falling apart, Leo speaks to the personal faith of each Catholic. With his words, I would like to address every Catholic today who has become unsettled in the present crisis of the Church. Christian, acknowledge your dignity, and becoming a partner in the divine nature, refuse to return to the old baseness by degenerate conduct. Remember the head and the body of which you are a member. Recollect that you are rescued from the power of darkness and brought out into God's light and kingdom. By the mystery of baptism, you were made the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do not put such a great guest to flight from you by base acts. See Sermon 21, verse 3. We cannot escape the deadly poison of the rattlesnake or the serpents if we strike friendship with it, but only if we prudently keep our distance and have the antidote ready at hand. The poison paralyzing the church is the opinion that we should adapt to the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, and not the spirit of God, that we should relativize God's commandments and reinterpret the doctrine of faith. Instead, as St. Paul says, the church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of truth. See 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Yet some people today would like to reconstruct the church as a convenient civil religion and make her more worldly, more secular. Many voices and opinion makers in the post-Christian society approve of such self-secularization. But in that no way means they accept the faith in Jesus Christ, never mind that even a few church leaders are confused about this. People trying to instrumentalize the faith and the church for their political agendas are not coming closer to the faith, a faith which they are in fact abusing. We can get closer to the faith in Christ only if, together with Peter, we are looking to Jesus and confess, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. See Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. The antidote against worldliness and secularization of the church is the truth of the gospel, see Galatians chapter 2, verse 14, and starts with living by faith in the Son of God who has loved me and given himself up for me, see Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is the basis for any real evangelization and for restoring the church. Today, however, many believe what the church needs is modernization. Conversely, anyone opposing modernization is fought like an enemy and called traditionalist. Let me give you an example of how this works. Protecting human life from conception to natural death is discredited as a conservative, right-wing political position, while at the same time killing innocent unborn children is declared a human right, and therefore deemed progressive. 
In politics and media, it is all about power over human minds and over the money in people's pockets. For this purpose, people are being conditioned by using campaign slogans like conservative or modern. But faith in God is concerned with the contrast between true and false, and about the distinction between good and evil. What matters most sleepily is the, fa is the faith is true, because Christ is the truth. Only truth gives life, even and especially when it is challenging. For some, however, the church is lagging behind by 200 years, compared to where the world is today. Is there any truth to this accusation? An accusation opinionated atheists gleefully repeat in their schadenfreude, and allegedly progressive Catholics, on their part, play the model students of the Enlightenment, promising that they will quickly catch up to the lessons of these atheistic criticism of religion. Should the church adapt the revelation of God in Jesus Christ to where people are today? Can the church be faithful to her foundation and to her founder if she mutates into a religion of humanity? The allegedly peaceful agnostics of today generously allow the simple people to keep their religion, but only because they are eager to use the potential of meaning the church possesses for their own purposes. They do not hold revealed faith to be true, but they would like to use it for building the new religion of world unity. In order to be admitted to this meta-religion, the only price the church would have to pay is giving up her truth claim. No big deal, it seems, as the relativism dominant in our world anyway rejects the idea that we could actually know the truth, and presents itself as a guarantor of peace between all worldviews. And in fact, a Catholicism without dogmas, without sacraments, without sacred tradition, without doctrine, is the fata morgana for which even a number of people in the church are longing. But there is no such meta-religion because there is no religion which is somehow higher than the church's faith in Jesus Christ. Instead, every time is immediate to God because it was in the fullness of time that God sent his Son, born of a woman. See Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Whom the shepherds of Bethlehem found as the infant lying in the manger. See Luke chapter 2, verse 16. In other words, we can enter into an immediate personal relationship to God because Christ is real and present to me. Jesus cannot be surpassed by the changing of times because God's eternity encompasses all eras of history. In the biography of each person, God wills everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth, for there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and the human race, Christ Jesus, himself human. See 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. In the concrete human being, Jesus of Nazareth, God's universal truth is concretely present here and now, in historical time and space. Jesus Christ is not the representation of some supra-temporal truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life in person. See John chapter 14, verse 56. The church walks with the times and their societal changes, similar to how she walks with us as we get older, and celebrate our birthdays one after the other. And theology, in dialogue with modern scientific and technological worldviews, illustrates how faith and reason are compatible. Faith is knowledge of God's truth. In the light of faith, we understand ourselves and the world in its innermost origin and purpose. This knowledge, however, we owe to the word of God, who became flesh and dwelt among us. See John chapter 1, verse 14. By inner-worldly reasoning, the truth of revealed faith can be neither proven nor disproven. The church knows that we are lost without the gospel of Christ. The Blessed Virgin Mary conceives in her womb and gives birth to the one Lord Jesus Christ, the light from light, the one Savior of the whole world. He alone can and does save the world, and frankly, I also would not want to be saved by anyone but him, true God and true man. Let us pray, therefore, today as we celebrate the Mother of God. Merciful Lord, may the Mother of Mercies intercede for us also in the new year. 
because through her we were found worthy to receive the author of life, our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Those are the words of Cardinal Muller delivered in Phoenix, Arizona on January 1st, 2020.